C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood. Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And we are joined across four pairs of headphones, three microphones, maybe two continents, by Natalie Fitch, number one fan and all-around cool person and friend, and producer Jenny, Jenny Mayfield. How are you guys doing? Very good. Very good as well. <laughs> Natalie well. opened her beer during the intro. <laughs> I'm waiting to drink it oh, until good. Jenny cheers as me. Okay. Oh. Yes, Natalie's. We're, do you want me to hold this? According to listeners, well, not according, just so <laughs> listeners know, we're power houring through this interview. Taking a play. Uh, and why don't you guys. Of, um, uh, why don't you set uh, the scene? If you, you could hear sure. that ding. Yes, of course. Bruce? Set the scene. We are currently in Stuttgart. Nursing a hangover from going to a beer festival last night. Natalie has a hangover. Oh. I want that on the record. <laughs> I do not have a hangover. <laughs> Sitting in an Airbnb, like the true uh, millennials that we are, you know, taking advantage of our resources. Yep. And uh, we, ate Excellent. A, we ate a nice German breakfast and a schnitzel last night, so it's good. And she made me try this stuff called spaghetti ice, which is ice cream that looks like spaghetti. And then it has raspberry sauce. But does it taste it? like spaghetti? No, it tastes like ice cream and raspberry sauce and white chocolate. Oh. It's really good. Well, that's delicious. good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. It's a wonderful invention. So, to begin, we're going to start with our millennial moments. Mm-hmm. Shay, would you like to begin? Oh, so many millennial moments. <laughs> uh, I love how we were waiting for Natalie to be prepared with hers, oh, and now I'm prepared. I, I can go first. Okay, you go first. Um, mine was that I spent most of this morning dressing. Corey's flesh wound from his Ew. nasty infected toe and I was like this is what my mother must have felt like when I was a small child so so selfless so shout out to mom all right so my moment of the day is I slept in past seven forty-five for the first time in over a year and a half today so that was exciting very exciting yeah I don't know why I, that's a millennial moment I guess it's just like a nice life it's update, nice I think. It's a nice life update, I think. Yeah. yeah, really. What about producer Jenny and Natalie? What do you guys got? Anything? Any millennial moments you want to share? Yeah, we also slept past 7.45 this morning. Fast <laughs> slept 7.45 this morning. Uh, Jenny, anything? Um, oh. Oh. Got My millennial drink. moment was when the power hour timer went off, right when it was time for me to talk. And also, my millennial moment was probably on Thursday where I cried in my French class because my teacher, um, I'd emailed her because I didn't want to actually talk to her face and tell her that her class was too hard for me and I needed to move to a lower level. Um, So her response to my email instead of emailing me back was to say in front of the entire class during roll call, oh, so this class is too hard for you. And then I cried. Oh, oh did she say it in English or French? She said it in French. Oh, oh. Good. So oh. I'm sorry that said. happened. No, everyone that knew what she be. said because everyone in that class is fluent except me. Oh. 
I don't know why I'm there. No. My God. I uh, I had a similar experience once when mm. I was studying abroad. But I actually was not having a problem with the class, so I did not understand why the teacher called me out when I was getting an A and asked me if I was having a problem with her class. That was a horrible day. Mm-hmm. That does sound horrible. Yeah. Oh. Did she maybe think I, it was you? too easy for you? No. Hmm. I don't think so. High standards in these languages. I think I just had chronic bitch face in her class, and therefore <laughs> she thought I was like having a problem. Uh, but I was just concentrating on the literature. Yeah, no, this class is like very focused on speaking French and I can understand a lot of French and I can read it and I can kind of write it. But speaking is it, it's not easy. And then she explains what you said wrong in French. Like the whole class uh. happens in French. So it's like if you don't know what's going on, then she explains to you what's going on in French. So, <laughs> right. so it's like how say am I something ever in French. Oh God! What Say, I, I would like I would like all the croissants, please. Uh, je voudrais le croissant tout le monde. That was great. That was good. You have an excellent accent. That was very professional. Ten out of ten. Well, I said I didn't say I would like all the croissants. I said I would like the croissants in all the world. I oh. got that. Yes. Do you want me to say it in yeah, German as well? Yes. Please say yeah. I would like all the schnitzel in the world, please. <laughs> oh God. Um. <laughs> Uh, ich möchte um, ganz schnitzel auf dem Welt. Oh, mm. Very good. Very wow. Good. I feel like I'm I in speak... 1945. I don't. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, so let's... Um, Wait, we... Natalie didn't give her millennial oh, yeah, moment yeah, yet. Yeah. Natalie, yeah. what's your millennial moment? Yeah, um, I had a sort of like young millennial versus... Well, is it old millennial and new millennial or old millennial ancient and young? Ancient and young. Ah, ancient, yes. I had an ancient millennial versus uh, young millennial moment. Um, I've kind of been hanging out with this guy who is uh, 28, and he's really, really into memes, like weirdly into memes. And he was like showing me memes, and he said something. Oh, got a drink. Sorry. (laughs) He said something along the lines of like, oh, these meme things are really cool. And I was like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> is it possible memes? that just in Germany memes are like a new thing for them or is it just this guy in particular just really oh, no, likes I think them it's this guy in particular is like yeah I mean Maddie the stores aren't like, open on Sunday but like they have computers here <laughs> right? but he was no like, I know but there's some like I've heard Germany things. is really into Baywatch and like David Hasselhoff even though that's like not a thing that is super popular in the US anymore yeah actually everyone went and saw Baywatch not gonna lie to you Oh, that's <laughs> like the new one. Oh my god, that's bizarre. Yeah, there's just different cultural touchstones in different places. I'm not saying it's like you know they're literally like peasants on a farm that don't have technology, don't know what a meme is. Like, <laughs> right? No, no, I get it, but yeah, right? No, yeah, true. They tag me in a lot that's more excellent. memes than my American friends do. I think now I see where all the love is. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. All right, so. Moving to our toasty campfire topics. Yes. Shay, would you like to begin? I would. Uh, So I wanted to talk about a TV show that I am currently catching up on and that I find hilarious, but also touches on some of the issues that we have a problem with. And that is uh, Younger on TV Land. I I love that that show. (laughs) I haven't watched it, but I had it on my list to talk about. Oh, something what give us the synopsis because okay. i haven't watched so, it. the synopsis is that there's this woman liza who's played by sutton foster who fun fact was formerly a broadway actress and is very phenomenal um and she's she's a bit older though so she's like supposed to be in her 40s like early 40s um and she is in real life like 40 
And the premise is that she's in the middle of this terrible divorce and her husband takes all her money and her daughter is like studying abroad in India. And she's like, well, I need to get a job and I want to get back in the workforce. And she tries to get back in publishing and everyone basically says, you're too fucking old. So because if you look up a picture of Sutton Foster, she looks quite young. Um, Her friend is like, why don't you just pretend like you're 26? So she pretends that she's 26 and she gets this job as a marketing assistant at some big publishing house and it kind of follows her adventures um as i guess you could say a fish out of a water in millennial culture um and also i don't know just points like touches on a lot of interesting uh touch points about differences in the workplace between gen x and millennials and the good things and the bad things and, and all of that so um and I love it. I think Sutton Foster is a genius. It also stars the uh, I, the millennial uh, goddess Hilary Duff. I mean, we all have oh, to love Hilary Duff. Um, and has some very hot guys in it as well. What do you like about it, Jenny? Um, I would say, I don't know. It's I think it's funny. And it's it's easy to watch, if that makes sense. Like, But it also I watched it think. at the same time that I was watching The Handmaid's Tale. So I was like, I need something... Oh. Yes. Like, as wonderful as The Handmaid's Tale is, um, I was like, I need something that does not require a lot of my brain and emotions and life force. I didn't, I, sorry, kind of off topic. I didn't quite like the the, um, the Handmaid's Tale, like the Hulu version. <gasps> oh, sorry. <laughs> but Scandal. I like, but I like really like the book. I don't know. I mean, but that's now, fair. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. everything Well, can we be can save everyone. that conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I really want to watch it. I was reading a um, like an article or something. I hadn't heard about it. It's been on for a couple of seasons, right? Yeah, it's in the fourth season okay, now. Yeah. They just finished the fourth season. Because I had heard, I heard about it when it first came out, and Sutton Foster was like interviewed or something, and I was like, oh, that's cool. That's like a nice um, premise. But then there was an article, and I'm blanking on the publication or where I saw it, but they were talking about how they really talk about the millennial divide between like younger millennials and older millennials uh-huh. and now that Sutton Foster's character is like pushing 30 even though she's oh. like not really 30 and then there's like younger people in the show that are like 22 23 like they have a lot of jokes about that too that like you know the difference between like 30 year olds and 20 year olds is really high which I thought was interesting and I was like very relevant yes uh, it would be helpful if I have would have watched all four seasons so I could talk about that. Um, well, if we have li- like listeners that want to write us about their opinions yeah. about Younger, we'll read it on air. Yeah, we would love that. Uh, but I think it's really great and very funny and really is interesting. But the one thing that I don't like about it, that what it does sometimes is we've talked about this before, where it touches on pop culture and makes it out to be like a statement about millennial life where it's not. Yeah. So I think that's the one place where it really fails. Interesting. Yeah. Fair. So, I like anyway, it. That is my hot topic. Um, my hot topic, we got an email from a couple listeners, Alana and Kimmy, shout out. And I want to read their email in full. And I especially wanted to do this email um, while we had Jenny on the line specifically. I don't know if it's as relevant to Natalie, but you can let me know after I read it. Um, but because I have no... Uh, attachment towards this particular topic but i know jenny does i figured it would be a good uh k 
campfirey toasty topic for us to talk about. Oh God, now I'm nervous. So <laughs> we got you. You won't be. It's fun. Um, our millennials. This is from the listeners. Our millennial moment slash hot topic is the continued relevancy of Harry Potter in our adult lives. <gasps> Some talking points could be also good for the me. desire for magic. Okay, I will continue. Some talking points could be the desire for magic or to escape real life, the personality differences in the houses, the political climate in the books compared to real life, how badass Hermione is and how she is the real star. So I have really no thoughts about it because I've read like two of the books. I've seen like maybe five of the movies. I don't know if you have Shay. Uh, I have real no attachment to it, but I know. I have read all of the books multiple times. And I have seen all of the movies except the second half of The Deathly Hallows. Okay. Um, Then I'll let the three of you take this one. Yeah. I mean, I would actually love to do a whole episode on Harry Potter. Um, You can. This can be just a little taste. This is just a little taste. Uh, But I think one reason why why Harry Potter endures, particularly with millennials, is that we kind of grew up with Harry Potter. And there was a lot of, uh, maybe not you guys, you guys might be a little bit young, um, and I'm actually a little bit old, but there is a certain kind of people who are now, I don't know, maybe like 25, 25 yeah. to 30. Because I think the first book came out yeah. when we were in like first or second grade. Yeah. So it was like an elementary, middle school kind of thing. Yeah. So um, and I think it, it because it spans so much of their childhood, it really became a touchstone. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, well, Harry Potter for me as like something very personal um it was the first book that ever made me realize that I was smart um because I don't know as a kid like I was a smart kid and my mom always tells me that but like it had not occurred to me that I was more intelligent than anyone else until I was in third grade and I was like I want to read the Harry Potter books and my teacher was like okay and then I read them and then all of a sudden like I was reading this giant book and I read it fairly quickly and I understood it and then I had more accelerated reader points than anyone else. I love accelerated reader. <laughs> I, love accelerated I reader. won accelerated reader every yeah. year. Yeah, and then I um and then like at the end of the year I like took my like reading level test and I was reading like an 8th grader and I was 8. So that was like the first time that I ever realized like oh, there's a reason that they keep putting me in, like, the highest level math class and, like, <laughs> I get pulled out for this, like, dumb academically gifted class. I'm like, oh, this was, like, not a mistake. Like, I'm actually a smart kid. <laughs> yeah, I think in terms of, like, the resonance, like, how uh, like how Harry Potter resonates with a certain age group, I'm really curious to see how that um, goes forward because I know, you know, you're saying 25 to 30 is probably the target age group in terms of when Harry Potter came out. However, my sister is 17, just turned 17 last week, and she is, like, the biggest Harry Potter fan I know. And so I know, like, in her generation, it was still really big. Um, and maybe that's because mm-hmm. I read all the books, and so they were all sitting on the bookshelf anyways, and so she read them. But I I think it's still really big in her age group, so I'm curious to see how it how it keeps going. No, I just, I think one thing that Rowling does in the books that keeps them relevant when sometimes you read fantasy that's a little bit older is... Um, like, for example, I love A Wrinkle in Time and that series, but sometimes when you read it, there are things about it that seem a little bit dated, and you're like, yes, this is very much 60s and 70s. Um, but the way Rowling writes, and she touches on, like, she touches on technology and stuff, but in, in this way that's very universal, it I think it's timeless, it. and it doesn't date it. So I think that... Um, 
really allows it to kind of the story to stand alone because it could really take place in, um, you know, 1928 or 2028. So Yeah. And I mean, I kind of a little bit disagree with the age thing because currently the child that I watch in Paris, um, I got the job because out of all the au pairs, I was best able to talk to her about Harry Potter. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that it, I think it's going to continue to endure. I just think that there's a certain age group where they grew up with Harry in terms of like a new book came out yeah. every couple oh, of years yeah, yeah, yeah. during their childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're so. definitely classics. Like they're teaching them in school now and stuff like they're going to people are still going to people are writing read like them. PhD thesis but I think like them. the person who wrote this email, like they were talking about how like I mean, they're written in such a way that adults can I enjoy them, too. Them. Yeah. yeah, they're not like they're well a written. juvenile type book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for a lot of adults, like people our age, like it's still a part of life. And now that they have like the amusement parks and they're like bringing sort of like stage adaptations to it and stuff, there is a new sort of relevancy, but also a nostalgia that I think is there that, you know... I guess if I think about the most popular books of my upbringing, like Harry Potter's up there, like for me personally, like I, the ones that I read, I enjoyed, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a big thing for me, but there's other books like Twilight, which I was obsessed with. Uh, Not to change the time. We don't have to talk about Twilight right now. I actually have a lot of opinions on Twilight. Yeah. I was saying. I'm I'm a big fan of it though. I I have no problems with it. I think anything that gets kids reading and excited about reading, I don't care if it's literal pornography, like go to town. (laughs) <laughs> um, reading is good kids yeah, yeah. Also, read porn no just kidding i think also harry potter has like the um the themes that you would find in any sort of i, I say like great american novel with the full understanding that harry potter was written by a by a british woman <laughs> but like you know all of the, the themes of um of like friendship the buildings roman you know growing up and things like that are are really important and so they yeah well, well and the other thing, thing that... which this is another podcast shout out um that I highly recommend this podcast if you really enjoy Harry Potter, but it's called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, and it's these two Harvard Divinity students who read oh, Harry Potter like it's the Bible. Oh gosh! And so each week they have a, they talk about a chapter, and they're like, "This is a lesson that you can take from the chapter," mm-hmm. and they talk really eloquently on like loyalty and love and sacrifice and um, greed and jealousy and all this stuff, and it's they always are able to pick out a theme from the chapter that is enduring and affects everyone. And I think that's part of the reason why Harry Potter has endured and it will continue to endure because it's, it's well-written. And, and I think, honestly, there are times in every single person's life where they feel like they're the outcast, where they're, they're a little bit different. And this is kind of... The books are like about a kid that does not fit in and finds their place in the world. And I think mm-hmm. that that's always something that people will be able to relate to. Yeah. And I think also one thing that everyone has to remember when you ask, okay, uh, just disclaimer, I am a student of literature and have multiple degrees in it. Shay's so before fancy. I um, <laughs> wax eloquent here, but one thing we tend to forget about, I think when we're talking about what has now been termed children's literature um, is that children's literature is a completely new thing that is basically made up by uh, it's like a marketing strategy. it's a marketing strategy particularly ya and yes we've had people writing what is called the buildings roman for you know 500 years but this is 
you know, so we talk about, is it going to endure past childhood? Of course it's going to endure past childhood because it's not a children's book. Children's books don't exist. J.K. Rowling wrote an interesting story about a kid who happened to be nine years old. Um, and if she had written this 100 years ago, there wouldn't have been any question about whether or not it's a book for everybody. It just would have been. Yeah. So I think that's something that's important to remember. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, all right. So Jenny and Natalie, do you guys have any toasty campfire topics for us? I have one, but it's a little, uh, I, I don't know if it's too heavy, but I'll, I guess I'll bring it up. Um, no, it's fine. We like it. We talked about abortion this weekend. We yeah. talked about being addicted to heroin. Oh, it's fine. It's been, these are heavy, Brilliant. Heavy, topic, yeah. heavy topics. So, um, obviously I'm currently living in Germany and we just had an election two weeks ago. And I don't know if you guys read about the election and the, is um, Merkel still a person? I literally know nothing about it. <laughs> no, um, yeah, um, Angela Merkel is going into her fourth um, four-year term as chancellor, um, and she's wow. from what is considered here the the, the right-wing party. But um, but if you're looking at like a, a scale from left to right, um, the scale is completely um, you know shifted way far left compared to what we're used to in the U.S. But what's I and I think people expected her to win because she's a very stable candidate and she's she's kind of a very stable status quo person. But um, what was really crazy is that the AFD or um, Alternative for Deutschland or Alternative for Germany party ended up getting 13% of the vote. And they're a third party that's kind of um, what my friends in the North would consider a neo-Nazi party. And so um, it's kind of a really crazy... Hitler youth? Kind of, yeah. And so um, I... It's um, kind of a really crazy, scary topic, uh, at least in the North where I live, and um and kind of resonates sounds like game of thrones you're like in the north sorry (laughs) i know you're talking about a serious topic but no no but uh, but it really like john snow it it um it reminds me of the u.s election because i i mean i personally am not a trump fan and um i mean i remember the day after the election being like super uh i don't know disenchanted or or something like that and i that's how all my friends here are feeling about this election seeing that 13 percent of the vote went to a neo-Nazi party when the, when, I mean, Nazi Germany is still a very um, relevant topic here and, you know, an important memory. So I don't know if you guys read anything about the German election or. or I literally didn't even know Angela Merkel won. I'm so ignorant to the world. Actually, no, I did know because they did an SNL sketch about her winning, I think, Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. I mean, I think what's really interesting and I didn't read about the German election at all but I um, I used to live in Spain so I've been following the Catalonian thing and which is is very different from what's going on but I think we tend as Americans to think about Europe as being really stable Um, and and I'm not saying that Europe is unstable they certainly got their shit together more than we do right now (laughs) but we have this tendency as Americans to be really insular and we you know, see these problems, particularly of racism and immigration and nationalism to be to be American problems. And that's like we're the only country in the first world that's going through them. And we're not. It's happening all over. And if we're not aware of that, we can get into trouble. And the other thing, um, just living in France. um, So the French election, everyone was like, oh, Macron, like he trounced um, Le Pen, but he actually didn't. He only won about 60% of the vote, which is great. He won by about 20%. But when um, Marine Le Pen's father ran, I think it was like 20 years ago, he got like 5% of the vote. So he 
this like crazy alt-right party went from getting 5% to 40% and people aren't talking about it or like aren't aware of it and it's 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 scary to see like yeah you rest on your laurels when you're like the winner exactly I feel like maybe Germany is more it's interesting because you're saying in France like the Le Pen situation people aren't talking about it but Natalie you were saying with 13% of the vote in the north where you live people are talking about it and they're afraid or you know it's a relevant topic and it's like 13% versus 40% like Germany knows how bad it can get do you think that's like part of it is that they're more attuned to kind of the alt-right like Uh, I mean Hitler youth kind of thing right I mean 100% I mean I was at um I was at a soccer game um, a couple of weeks ago, and or a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, and um, I was standing in line at a at a beer stand with my friend, and um, they could tell that I was talking with an accent. There were people behind me that could tell that I was talking with an accent, and they said, "Oh, where are you from?" And I said, "I'm from the U.S." And they said, "Oh, we're from Italy." And I said, oh, you know, very cool, you know, what, whatever, foreigners, whatever. And uh, they said, is your friend also from the U.S.? And I said, no, you, she's German. And they called her a Nazi. And, what? And, and this is in Germany? In Germany. Well, and, like, Italians have much room to be throwing that yeah, around. Yeah, I was going to say. Right. But it's, I mean, the entire, I'm telling you, the entire beer line went silent. And, I'm sure. And, That's terrible. And my friend is, you know, this this little, you know, cute little girl who's who's never done anything wrong you know what i mean and clearly not a hitler youth clearly not and uh and um yeah but some guys like kind of removed those guys from the line and were like who do you you know who do you think you are and i think i think a fight started (laughs) but oh my gosh it was crazy i wonder if that's how like muslim people in america feel you know maybe not as overtly but like the backlash against Nazism is still in effect. I don't know. I don't know. I've always felt like every time I've traveled in Germany, which I've done quite a bit of, like, especially in this in southern Germany, I feel like people are always like they're trying so hard, even gosh, how many 60, 70, 80 years later to dispel any like I'm always like, oh, it's so clean and nice and everyone is being so polite because they don't want to be thought of as insane nazis but that might just be something i was making up in my head no I yeah mean, or they could just be genuinely really great nice clean people right no i mean or they're just trying to i mean honestly it doesn't matter the motivation if it ends up nicely then yeah i'll take it right i mean i like my friends always mentioned you know they don't hang german flags anywhere they don't you know they don't have any shows of patriotism because it's it it can easily be mistaken for nationalism and that's not something that they want so i think that's a really like interesting topic too in terms of germany is the difference between patriotism and nationalism and um like on to be on the safe side they just don't dif- differentiate it they just don't do either you know what i mean yeah that's so interesting well before we delve more into your guys's experiences in europe jenny do you have a toasty campfire topic i if do not, it's cool. um actually Yay. so i'm having a weird experience i don't know how much you guys like how clear it is what my situation in France is to our listeners, but um, I am working as an au pair in France, um, in Paris, actually. Rich, rich, anybody rich? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But anyway, um, so I am in Paris working as an au pair, and an au pair is kind of like a nanny, for those who don't know. Um, It's kind of like being a live-in nanny, but it's also a culture exchange. Um, And 
I'm 24. I'm going to be 25 in April. I've lived on my own for six years. Um, I've lived not in my home state for five years. So I'm very used to like living on my own away from a family situation. Um, and now all of a sudden I am put in the, this position where I am part of a family with young children and it is odd. It is odd that like I have to text someone when I don't want to come to dinner or like when I decided to go to Germany I had to let my parents know um and like I have my own apartment in their building so like I can come and go as I want they have been very encouraging of me getting a boyfriend they (laughs) (laughs) so like it's not like uh they're watching me all the time thing um but it's like my host mom found out that I bought sheets off of Amazon for when I have people come stay because I have a spare mattress um and she was like why would you do that? Like, we have sheets here. You should have just taken them from the linen closet. You don't need to buy that kind of thing. Just, like, wash them when you're done. And I was like, but I'm a grown-up, and I want my own sheets. I don't want to borrow your... Like, I want my own sheets. And so it's... I think this is a moment that is very relatable to a lot of millennials that do have to move home and adjust from being an adult to living in a family situation where you are sort of an adult but also sort of a child um but i also oh sorry oh no no no. that's so i think it's uh, a super relatable place to be in but it's also kind of weird because like they're not my parents but yeah mm-hmm. but i also feel like the situation that you're describing is partly like a european cultural phenomenon because i feel like in the u.s if you're like hey mom i bought my own sheets for when i have guests an american mom might very well be like good because I don't want you mucking up our sheets <laughs> um, like you should be supporting yourself and doing that where in Europe there was this very different kind of like communal um, atmosphere especially when you're staying as, as technically a guest in someone's home um, or living where they're hosting you where it's like they want to take care of you and I think that makes for a little bit of a different atmosphere while although I totally understand what you're saying like you yeah. want to have your own stuff, but... We talked a little bit about this, like, when I interviewed Evan and Pomo, because at the time, um, they were both living with their parents. I think Evan's since moved to a new apartment, and Pomo's moving to New York, so they're out of that situation, but they were both, like... They both said the 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 best thing was having that support and, like, always having, like people around and it's like less lonely but it's also like I mean I feel that way when I go visit my parents and I have not lived with them for six years like my mom will still text me and be like oh when are you coming home should I leave the light on stuff like that and I think it's just like if you're having someone stay in your home even if it's a guest or something like Shay was out with a friend and I thought she had died yesterday yeah she was an hour late returning and I was like are you okay like it's just you know that's a whole crazy situation yeah itself but but, uh, you know it's like if someone's staying with you you want to be a part of it but I totally get it would be a transition and every time I go home I'm like parents chill out what are you doing oh yeah like um one thing in particular was my host mom she was like you're not eating enough like are you okay or like you're allowed to eat whatever's in the kitchen like please make yourself food and I was like I've been out like enjoying Paris like that's why I'm not eating at home is because I'm like eating food when I'm out with my friends like doing things so that's definitely been 
that was like one thing that felt very parental was she was like worried that I wasn't eating enough. That's sweet. She sounds like a nice lady. Oh yeah, like my host parents are great. It's just odd to go back into a familial situa- living situation after like being Yeah, for sure. Totally. Can we just also just really, really quick just make known on the record that the portions, the food portions in Europe are much bigger than those in America and that is an absolute stereotype. I think. Real, um, not know, in France. Oh, well, in Germany. True. In Germany, okay. they're bigger. In France, they're smaller. Yeah. Because my host mom is like, you never eat enough. And I'm like, I eat all my dinner, and then I have a stash of cookies up in my room that you don't know about. <laughs> right. Well, and then... Do you feel that way in Spain, too? Um, I feel like... Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you eat, especially in someone's home, there is, like, so much food that you don't even know which way to look. Um, but sometimes it depends on where you're eating out and what city you're in. But I'd say like in the southern in southern Spain, especially it's there's a lot of food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of living situation, too, I found the living situation in Hanover, Germany to be um, quite different than what you find in the U.S. I currently live in a shared flat, which is a, a VG is what they call it, WG. And um, and. There's literally a huge website where there are flats everywhere that are shared by, you know, between three and maybe eight people, but that don't, they don't know each other. And that's how everyone finds their place to live. No one lives alone. No one really lives with friends. And so like, I... That's interesting. Yeah. Very weird. Yeah. So that's how I found my room and that's how all my friends found their room as well. So like, I think it's super weird. And I had a colleague that was going to Detroit and he was like, hey, can you send me the link to the V-Gay website? You know, I need to find a, a <laughs> rental apartment. And I was like, oh God, like that's not how that works, you know, in, in the US. Oh so gosh. he could literally buy a whole neighborhood in Detroit and just set up his own... <clears throat> We're gay, you know. Oh, no. I'm really so, excited to um, listen to Parker's episode. By the way, okay, <laughs> it's up now. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I feel like we're segue into the interview portion. So I'd love for Natalie and Jenny to each um, do our traditional introduction and then talk about where. So kind of the theme of this episode is the expat life. Um, so if you guys can, you know, reiterate your name, what year you were born, uh, where you went to school, what you're doing now. I mean, we all know producer Jenny, but we definitely need Natalie to share that information. And Jenny can give a quick refresher for our listeners. I'll, I'll take it away, I guess. I'm I am Natalie. Um, I was born in 1995. Uh, I grew up with uh, Maddie in the suburbs of Detroit. I grew up in Birmingham, Michigan. Um, and I graduated from high school in 2013. I graduated in May from the University of Michigan with a degree uh, in economics and U.S. history. And now Sorry I am, haha, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> and now I am living in uh, Hanover, Hanover, Germany, working in um, marketing communications for an automotive supplier. We're um, an intelligent or a vehicle intelligence company, so we do a lot of autonomous driving and really cool safety systems. And I really like my job and and. Uh, and so that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so, and Natalie, is your time in Germany, is it like for a specific set of time or could you stay there for indefinitely? Well, uh, my contract ends December 15th, technically, but I have a meeting on Wednesday to figure that out. <laughs> oh, and do, would be, you like to stay? Yeah, I, I really want to stay. So um, I think I'll be back uh, after the holidays. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Jenny. Um, hi, guys. I'm producer Jenny. Um, I produce this podcast. Uh, wait, that's not the order I was supposed to go in. Uh, <laughs> I was born in 1993. Um, I was born in North Carolina, but I moved to New York um, for university. 
and I went to NYU with dear Madeline, um, and I graduated with a Bachelor of Farts in acting um, <laughs> in 2015. <laughs> I also have a Bachelor of Farts. <laughs> Never heard that before. I love it. Yeah. Okay. I'm super Power clever. hours kicking in. <laughs> Power hours kicking in for Natalie. But um, yeah, so I graduated from NYU uh, with a degree in acting, um, and then I... Worked in New York for a couple of years, auditioning and being a nanny, and now I am a nanny and international woman of leisure in <laughs> Paris, France. Um, yeah. Nice. We love it. Very cool. So what, um, for both of you, what was the impetus for moving? Was it the job opportunity or kind of wanting to live in Europe, what was the initial sort of reason why you felt like you wanted to leave the U.S. and go do something different for a period of time? Um, for me, this is um, a bit of a tough question. I think I've, I've had a kind of rough three years with some, um, you know, issues with different personal things. <laughs> and it was really, really weighing down on me. And so the kind of the impetus um, to come was the fact that I felt like I needed to get out of my own skin for a little while and kind of reset. And so I thought, you know what, six months abroad, um, you know, and, and not just six months abroad, but a productive six months abroad, you know, working a job that's within my field, you know, whatever, and, and um, bettering my resume is is a good way to do that, to, to get, you know, hit that reset button. But, you know, meanwhile, while I've been here, I've found a, a lifestyle and a, you know, a good group of friends that I could see myself staying, you know, staying here with. And so I think that, um, especially, I know this is kind of a weird thing to say, but like, uh, in the wake of the election as well, I think that, that was really yeah. weighing on me as well. So, um, among all the, you know, personal prep, um, so being able to come over here and hit that reset button and be removed from my life at the moment was, was the impetus for me, I think. It's interesting that you mentioned the election because I have quite a few expat friends and now that they're getting into their mid thirties, thinking about like having kids and stuff, they're like, Oh, we should come home. And then after the election, they were like, Nope, we're staying in mostly in Spain, but, uh, and wherever they happen to be, because they're like, we're not dealing with this bullshit in the U S right. Yeah. Um, so my impetus was kind of similar. Um, so in New York, like I was, New York's an expensive city. Um, being a nanny was awesome, but does not pay super well. And so I was always hustling, always had between like two and four jobs at any given time. Um, and I rarely had free time, um, just to myself and to kind of do creative stuff. And I found myself, especially the second year out of college, not auditioning or pursuing my creative interests as much as I wanted to be. Um, and then also in the wake of the election, I'd always kind of planned that if I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life by the time I was 25, um, I was going to go be an au pair. And then I, all in like within the span of a week, I got into a grad school program found out I got no financial aid for the grad school program and then also was kind of just handed an au pair job. Um, I didn't end up taking the au pair job, uh, but 
I just kind of decided that, like, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this grad school program. If I take out the money, it's going to be all out of pocket. I haven't really had a time to enjoy my 20s and, like, actually have enough money to go out and enjoy wherever I'm living. And being an au pair is kind of a means to that end. And travel has always been really important to me. And au pairing was also another means to that end. Um, So I kind of... I kind of just like moved up my timeline a little bit and just decided like it's time to get the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> I'm telling you, Europe's, so, Europe's the place to go if you want to get the hell out of Dodge. It's worked for me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I mean, obviously like the American news is constantly on, but like when you're watching the American news in French, it's... You don't understand it. So it's you don't understand good. it as much, so it's not as bad. <laughs> Sounds like an ignorance is bliss situation, which sounds lovely. Actually, kind of. Um, Actually, kind of. Actually, kind of. (laughs) Do you guys see yourselves? I know, Natalie, we kind of touched upon this. You're looking to extend your time in Germany. And I know, Jenny, you're in this current position until next summer. Like, so far, you guys have spent a couple months in your current situations. Do you see yourselves, like, eventually coming back to either Michigan or New York or wherever and continuing life that way or do you see kind of an opportunity for staying there long term and building like a real life wherever you're living Um, or is that too hard to think about now (laughs) oh you can see us yeah Skype is still on (laughs) Skype we can't see you we're looking at uh, the the, at the Hindenburg no 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 that's okay oh that's fine I can adjust it as much as I'd love to see Madeline's beautiful face oh hello um no, but, um, yeah, I, I can see myself staying here in terms of the lifestyle. I think that currently I'm living like a, um, you know, a, a relatively low paying job living in a shared flat lifestyle, a single lifestyle. And it does kind of freak me out to think about, um, you know, future. I know this is like, so almost so awful. Like I shouldn't be thinking about marriage and kids and crap. I think it's okay to think about it's important (laughs) right right but like I like have a friend who is like a huge advocate of like the German education system and like he's always telling me about like the German education system and it like makes me think I'm not sure that I want that for my kids and I know that like I don't even know like that isn't something that I necessarily need to be thinking about right now but I do you know no well I think about that in New York like I would unless i become like a billionaire overnight like I would never raise kids in New York just Mm -hmm. for me personally I'm not being judgy of other people that do it but I've just seen you know my friends that babysit or nanny or like the kids that I know in the city it's just really really tough and I know Shay you have experience nannying in the city as well and Jenny has a lot of experience like it's just really tough and honestly this is the part where I am going to be judgy a lot of the people that I met at NYU that grew up in the city were super fucking weird like people that grew up their whole life like in manhattan were like the least jenny's nodding her head they're like (laughs) not the most well-adjusted people and i feel like even people from the west coast international people southern people midwest like they're all way more like capable of dealing with crisis and have a perspective on the world that people that grew up in new york just don't have so i am thinking about it as well well yeah and i think also though what i would want to caution all of because i recently have left new york so i went through a really similar thought process um about you know where do i want to raise a family etc etc but i'm 33 and i think you know 
once you hit 30 is the time to start thinking about that. So, I mean, you've got eight years. You can live in Germany or Shanghai or, you know, Buenos Aires or wherever um, and still come back and be somewhere and have time to settle into a life here, you know, in Michigan or wherever. Um, But I do think it's important to think about those things and it's important to think about what you want your lifestyle to kind of look like at 20, 30, 40, 50 and make plans for that. And people used to get so weird with me when I'd be like, well, yeah, I'm thinking about moving or thinking about doing this thing or making this change because I'm trying to uh, architect a specific lifestyle for myself. Um, And that's okay. I mean, you don't want to be crazy about it, but I think it's important to be aware of it because I've met way too many people that hit like 40 and they're like, oh, I got a shitty job and no kids and I pay all my money to rent. Oh, I guess I just whatever. Can't do anything about it now. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, like a a couple of thoughts on that. I my so I, I mentioned to my friends in Germany, oh, you know, I was looking on Facebook this weekend and my friend is pregnant or my friend is getting engaged and whatever. And I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm 22 and you have friends doing that and things like that. And my German friends think that is insane. Oh, yeah. Because people in I mean, Europe. Yeah. And the I mean, the rates of marriage are going down like really, really fast in Germany. But I think because like the generation, you know, our parents generation, but in Germany is um, like getting divorced a lot. And so um, people just aren't getting married our, you know, our age or, you know, people who are in their 20s right now just aren't getting married. And so um, I think that like my friends think it's super weird that like I would think about, oh, you know, marriage or kids or whatever. But then um, like also the, um, oh no, I lost my other thoughts. <laughs> I had a I had That's okay. A if it comes back to you, Jenny can... Um, so talk while you're thinking my contract is only for a year um, and I've been in Paris significantly less time than Natalie's been in Germany um, I've only been in Paris for about a month and a half um, well actually well I'm going on two months in Paris so I really like Paris um, the pace is really nice because it has a metropolitan city feel but Europe the pace is just slower however unlike Natalie most of my friends are not French. A lot of my friends are other au pairs that have similar schedules to me. Um, and a lot of them are American, Canadian, Australian, because at least Natalie seems to have kind of done the opposite. But in France, I've found that at least where I live and like the things that I'm doing with myself, people are not as willing to speak English. Um, and obviously you have the people that can speak English and do, but French are not as nice. (laughs) Well, they have such pride in their own language and speaking French perfectly that they don't want to speak English unless they can speak it perfectly. And I've heard that from multiple French people. Oh, interesting. So they get embarrassed when they have to speak English. Um, interesting. Yeah. So it's hard to find English speaking friends, but that means all my friends right now are in a temporary position. So if I were to design a life in Paris, currently the only people I know that like are there for good are the kids that I watch and their parents and a couple family friends that I know and that's it. So like I think for me to design a life in Paris, I think it would match up with what's important to me um, and important to my lifestyle. Um, But I think it would be hard and I would need to speak better French and make more French friends um and the other thing you've only been there for two months exactly exactly so I still have time um but the other thing to think about 
um, and I'm sure Natalie has the same thing with Germany, um, but the French love bureaucracy. It is a <laughs> French word, and it is really hard to <laughs> live funny. in France if you are not a French person. So for me to live in France long term, um, like, so in order to get a work visa for France, you have to prove that no one else in France is capable of doing your job. Um, yeah. So it's incre- incredibly difficult to live in France if you are not married to a French person. Um, so while that might be something that I would like to do, it it would be an incredibly complicated process. And I've kind of taken the easy way out for my first year. Um, but I also think I need to, I need to have some more time to kind of figure out if it's something I would like to do permanently. Um, but if I did come back to the U.S., I would obviously live in New York because currently I haven't found anywhere else that I would like to live in the U.S. (laughs) Yeah, I think the other thing that I was thinking about too is in terms of financials, I and Jenny both, um, get paid in euros. And so mine gets direct deposited into a, into a German bank account that, uh, is, is euros. And so if I were to go on full time, I'm currently a temporary, um, employee. If I were to go on permanently and full time, um, my pay would go up significantly. And so if I were in the U S I would want to, you know, put it in a 401k or, you know, try to, you know, really, um, set up a nest egg for myself. But um, if I'm getting paid in euros, then I would have to switch it to dollars in order to do so. Or would I want to put it, you know, keep it in euros? And so that's something else that is kind of a stupid also thing aren't to the worry taxes about. like bonkers? They are they a are tad bit bonkers, bonkers to like twenty five percent. And I oh, and I don't make a my lot. host dad was like complaining <laughs> to me. He's like, the French government is and... always taking my money. The bourgeoisie, another French word. <laughs> <With> the bourgeoisie. <laughs> Well, my family is definitely what I'm you call kidding. in French uh, bobo, which is, uh, oh my God, I cannot remember. It's bourgeoisie, and then it's another word, and I'm forgetting the second word, so <laughs> never mind. Producer Jenny, cut this out. <laughs> Please make us look good, <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's my biggest thing about I love Europe, and I love the lifestyle, but it's like, for my... Even, like, if I worked at my current company in Europe, like, they're moving a lot of their um, operations from London to Frankfurt. And it's, like, Vilkman. the take-home pay of, like, my counterparts is so much lower than, like, what I make here. And it's, like, I mean, New York is expensive, but Frankfurt's also, like, a big city where things are expensive. And it's, like, you know, it's just a really big I don't know. sacrifice, I think. I found that my money goes further in Paris even though Paris is a very expensive city I've just found that my euros go farther um it's also like different things are expensive like New York like some things are cheaper I'm sure in Paris like things that are expensive in New York are cheaper and vice versa right I think in Europe that like the things that we tend to spend money on as young people like going out to dinner or going out to a cafe or getting a drink that those kind of things are much cheaper in Europe but the kind of stuff that we buy here that we don't think about like going into Rite Aid and buying face cream is much more I mean that was the thing I always found when I lived in Spain was like not only did they not sell a lot of stuff in many cities so you'd you'd have to wait and then go and stock up when you were in a big town and it was astronomically expensive Mm. yeah I I live in a big city and I I um I, not as big as Paris, but, <laughs> but big, or New York, but big enough. Um, and I, um, I hesitate to use the word 
rent control because it's not the correct word, right. but um, but rent, you know, kind of the the important necessities. And yes, face cream like is is a necessity. But mm-hmm. if you're thinking about like a like housing and food in Germany, it's incredibly inexpensive because it's all. Um, I don't know if I'd use subsidized by the government, but it's mandated by the government. And so, mm-hmm. like, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, I pay a third. I mean, value-wise, well, not value-wise, I, no, sorry, actually the opposite. Nominally, um, I pay a third of what I paid in the U.S. for a much better room now. You know what I mean? So yeah. like my, and you were living in Michigan, yeah, so it's I not like you were living Michigan. someplace yeah. right. super expensive. Yeah. What is the biggest thing that, I guess you could answer this both both of these questions what's the the number one thing that you like more about the place that you're living now and what is the thing that you miss the most about being home yeah well (laughs) (laughs) i i'm in a bit of a different situation from you i detroit and and birmingham and uh and and, in ann arbor as well didn't have public transportation i love public transportation and i mean bike um biking is just um, built into the infrastructure. There's a bike lane everywhere. And so I typically ride my bike. When I don't ride my bike, I take the tram and it's seriously no problem. And like even my friends who are like real grown ups <laughs> don't have cars, you know, and no one needs one, you know. And, and I, I know that that's the way it is in, in Manhattan, but um, that's not the way that it is in Detroit. And so I think just ease of life because uh, you don't need the big expense of a car in Hanover is is one of my favorite things about being there for sure um what do you miss most about being home there's not a lot (laughs) (laughs) that's okay no um obviously like my family and friends but I think also just um the ease of of speaking fluently the language I think you take that absolutely for granted when when you're not um here and trying to communicate with someone and uh and i i mean i i don't want to like to my own horn but like i speak pretty good german but if you miss one word you miss the entire sentence you know and so it's it, it is tough the the communication is is tough and and not being able to count on being able to communicate with people is is hard yeah um so I think I'm going to end us on a positive note. So I'm going to start where Natalie left off. Um, I would say the thing I miss most about home, other than like obviously my friends and family, is the language. Is really the language. I honestly want, when I get back to the U.S., if I come back, I want to put on my Tinder profile, if you have ever said, this is America, we speak English, swipe left. Because that was said to me when I was trying to sign a child up for gymnastics. Like, what level of French do you have to have to sign a child up for gymnastics? Like, I could you do that in German, Natalie? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> like, Shay, could you do that in Spanish? Um, I could, but I, I worked in a school. Gymnastica. So, but I think also I could do it Spaniards are much more they want to understand you and they are very excited if you come to Spain and like yeah. oh. you could be like hola me llamo Shay yo soy de Texas and they totally like feel the same way oh yeah. habla muy bien tía que bueno like I that's how they are in Germany as well I've, I've yeah. spent a much no. less time in these places but the five days I spent in 
Paris and the week I spent in Spain, it was like night and day. Like yeah. I spent a week in Valencia and like people actively went out of their way to try to help me to speak Spanish. And I have like rudimentary Spanish from like school and stuff, but like I would mess up words all the time and they would like definitely meet me on the level and like in France it's also hard and I don't know if you guys feel this way too but like my brain when I think of like foreign language it goes to Spanish so like if I'm in Italy or France like it just goes to Spanish so when I was in France like I would be trying to speak French and it would go to Spanish and they would like pretty much I would say 95% of the people that I interacted with were just not like it, it wasn't even that I was asking them to speak English. It would be like, I was, I would like point to a menu and I would try to like say the word and they wouldn't like accept my order, even though they could see that I was pointing at the right thing mm. until I said it like right in French. And that to me just makes you <laughs> yeah. an asshole. So I get why that's, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, I frustrating. Germans, com- Germans would also argue that the French are assholes, but I mean, I don't know. I know very few French people, and the French people that I do know employ me and support my lifestyle. So I'm hesitant to say anything negative about French. I just I agree with you that I'm sure it's frustrating. Oh my god, it is a constant source of anxiety and frustration. Anytime I have to talk to another adult, like I have to call immigration this week because I have not received my confirmation that they are aware that I'm in the country, and I need that in order to not get deported. Um, but how will they deport you if they don't know you're there? Because... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, just go under the radar, Jenny. What are you doing? Well, I don't want to get the illegal immigrant stamp on my passport, so... Oh, this is... Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, okay. Um, yeah. So, I need to make sure that Ofi knows that I am in the country so that I can get my special dumb sticker that I have to pay 50 euros for. Maybe Ofi is listening to this podcast. Ofi, oh, if God. you're there, I swear, I'm in the country legally. Just give me my stupid sticker. No, no, no. Worse than listening to the podcast, they're probably Big Brother listening in on this call, like, live. Well, we're in Germany, so... Oh, okay, okay. Ophi's not here, but... <laughs> um, um, but anyway... So, Jenny, what is the number one thing that you like more about Paris than... There's a home? lot, man. There's a lot. The like, wine. I'm kind of... <laughs> the wine, the city, the architecture, the food... The, God, the food is so much better yeah. in Europe, hands down. Oh, just quality-wise. Just quality-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to... Sorry, Jenny. Maybe I'll steal your thunder just for steal like a hot it, sec. Steal it. Take it, girl. I eat so much worse in Europe than I ever ate in the U.S. And I'm telling you, I lost 20 pounds. Yeah. In six months, I've <laughs> lost 20 pounds and I eat more bread and drink more you're beer. You're probably walking around more, too, if you're doing the biking and the yes, public yes, transit. Yes, yes, true. Okay. <laughs> but also, I always felt like in Spain there were less preservatives. Yeah, yeah. There was less Right, oh, right. Yeah junk the the gmos they don't yeah there are no gmos and then also like i eat with the kids so much and like the kids don't eat kid food in france they eat like what an adult would eat and like i think that kid this is my again being judging people in the u.s i think parents that make their kids eat kid food is bad because those kids grow up to be weirdos Mm -hmm. maddie i grew up on fish sticks and it was wonderful You're the uh, exception, and also I know your parents, and they raised you wonderfully. Shout out to Amy and Brent. But, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying, I feel like parents that cater to their kids, and the, instead of bringing... I feel like that's a very French thing, right? Like, bringing the, the kids are not the centric part of the family like they are in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like that. I respect that attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, should we move on to our... Okay, new 
Oh, one more thing? Go on. Yeah, yeah. I have a funny story that I just feel like I should share. Sure. Share. So, um, I went to Amsterdam and oh um, I was staying in a hostel and I was staying in a mixed room of eight. So, mixed gender room of eight. So, I had met this guy who was super hot and he told me he, was, he lives in Frankfurt and he works in finance. And so, I, you know, whatever, late at night, I was laying in my bed whatever on my phone or whatever and he came over and he says oh, sorry can I ask you a question and I look over and he is standing there wearing only his underwear and like tiny Does he have a boner uh I didn't look long enough to see I was a little bit taken aback and he was like um when I told you that I work in finance in Frankfurt I lied I actually work in porn and I'm here on business <gasps> Oh, Jesus. Please tell me you saw his penis. <laughs> I have a lot of regrets. But he said... He said did you bang him? No, Sorry, you don't have to say if you no, don't want to. Not. But he said... He said um, so what yeah, is his so porn I, name? Can I look him up on the internet? Well, these are my regrets. I never grabbed his porn name. Or his porn oh, name, Natalie. This is my regret. But he said... But he said... Um, he said, like, I work in porn and I'm, like, really interested in, like, learning about, you know all types of sex and like are you interested but is he a porn star or is he like a producer of porn because there's a difference he said he works in porn did i say he was a porn star no i just assumed that no he said he works in porn no but he's he's the one who is having sex yes so he's a porn star yeah okay so he said yes i uh, (laughs) sorry but he He is the talent he is the talent but he was like yeah can we have sex and i was like uh no and he was like, he was like trying to like pass it off as like this is for science, you know what I mean? Like, oh, like this is for my job. I'm just trying heart. to learn. <laughs> and I was like, um, no thanks, but thank you. And um, you know, being so nice. That's so weird. And he was just like, well, we're always looking for new talent, so just let me know. And I was like, oh my oh god, god, Natalie, this could be your calling. Oh my god, German dungeon porn. Here we go. No, but oh, like, god. but then like later, he like sat down on his bed. He was like sitting on his bed on his phone, whatever. And later, like this girl came in and like laid in the bed next to him and he was like hey like what are you in Amsterdam for and she was like oh I'm in town for business and he said oh my god me too what are you doing and she was like oh well I actually work in the red light district and he was like oh my god me too and then they like bonded (laughs) and they like ended up like working at the same club or something like this and like uh so now I've learned don't stay in a hostel in Amsterdam I sit in a hostel in Amsterdam. Just don't stay in a mixed gender hostel okay. if you don't want to be yeah. around creepy weirdos. I was going to say, if you ever go back to Amsterdam, I have the name of a really great, very cheap hotel, uh, like 60 euro a night. It's very Ooh, lovely. Perfect. I'm actually very going good. to Amsterdam for cheap. Christmas with my sister. So, Well, this oh, was not the 18 you. euro yeah. a night I spent on the mixed <laughs> 18 euros gets you porn roommates porn. Yeah. i mean honestly that's a good deal like your own personal porn star you don't even have to pay for the porn at that point. i like got the authentic oh, experience yeah, yeah. i think is but also right. speaking of porn right. stars this is just one thing i want to say that i've already told maddie and i just think is really funny so in france um moana is not called moana she's called Diana, and i got really mad because i'm like moana is a polynesian name like you don't just get to change another culture's name because it suits you. And it really made me angry because I'm like, this is a cultural thing, like not a thing you get to change. And I like would argue with the children about it all day. Like there's some a Snapchat floating around there, like me and the little girl like yelling at each other. Um, and then I was talking to a French adult about this and she was like, oh yeah, Moana's the name of a porn star. So like that's why they had to change oh. it because they didn't want a bunch of children Googling Moana. 
<laughs> and finding That's hysterical. But also, oh. also a millennial uh, concept is that um, the children of today are Googling. Oh, yeah. The, my host dad got their mom a Google home for her birthday, and she was so mad. Because she was like, why did you get this for me? Like, I gave you a list. Oh, and no. then the kids oh. were super excited about it. Actually, do you mind if I pose a question? Yeah. So I'm not too... Go in, ahead. I'm not too in tune with today's youth because I am, I am not a nanny. Well, we just did a, uh, an episode about iGen, so you'll have yeah. to listen to it. Oh, okay. So, um, but maybe, sure. Okay, so, so, so maybe, Jenny, can you, like, um, talk about technology with children? Oh, my God. It is my worst nightmare and my saving grace. Um, so, uh, the children that I watch, and it's very common in France for children not to be allowed to have any screens at all during the week. Only on the weekends, which is fine. Like, good for them. Kids in France tend to have more homework. They don't get out of school until later, and they still have activities. So, like, thank God the iPod's not an option because we just don't have the time. Like, I barely have them, like, ready for bed by 9. So it's, like, Mm -hmm. or, like, ready for handoff when their parents get home. So, like, thank God. Mm -hmm. But it is also, like, horrible because in France... They just, like, don't go to school on Wednesdays, pretty much. Like, I pick the kids up from school on Wednesday at 10.30 if they have school at all, which, like, once a month, they just don't. Mm-hmm. Which, like, why bother send the kids to school for two hours? I don't get it. I don't know why France does this. Knock it off, France. Um, so, but on Wednesdays, it's a really long day for me. Um, and I'm with the kids for, like, eight to ten hours. And... I just wish they had iPad because, like, it's not always good for them to have a lot of it, but it's, like, it would give me 10 minutes of, like, not having someone asking me a question, bugging me to play with them, asking what's for dinner, like, it would give me, like, a small break. So, technology is a double-edged sword. Um, The little girl, one of them that I watch, is having problems with a mean girl at school, and she does have a cell phone, but she, like, barely uses it. Um, So, I'm, like very glad that their parents are very much like no screens during the week because if this little Regina George French Regina would like <laughs> if French Regina was like able to text like the girl that I watch then it would make my life a living hell so it's like technology and kids is always a double-edged sword because you have to know what they're doing the good thing is the kids when they watch tv they have to watch it in English mm-hmm. um that's the only way their mom will let them watch it right. so I know what they're watching but it's like you have to be monitoring it. And then on top of that, it's like, it makes my life easier because then right. they're entertained without me having to do anything. Right. I, I wasn't sure how, like, integrated technology was into the lives of kids on the reg. Oh, I have a friend. You should read the article that we talked about in our episode. <laughs> yeah. Atlantic you know I will to. listen to your episode yes. when it comes yeah. out. So. I have a friend, though, so, that works in the suburbs, uh, and her kids, all they do all day is play video games. Ugh. And, like, she feels horrible, but she's like, the parents don't care, so, like, what do I do? Yeah, Yeah. at that point, it's like, whatever. So, we want to move into our rapid-fire questions. Which we are now calling the archery range, the shooting range. Yeah, straight shooter. Straight shooter. (laughs) Some questions at you. Oh, God. Uh, As a fan of the pod, I approve. (laughs) <laughs> okay, yes. thank you, thank I'm you, I'm a straight Natalie. shooter, respected on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> I like so, it. So, here we go. Don't think too much. Yeah. Answer quickly. Favorite book? Pride and Prejudice. A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Hmm. Fav- Favorite Good. childhood movie? 
hoodwinked. <laughs> um, this very obscure Beatles movie called We All Live in a Yellow Submarine. That was a song. <laughs> no, it's a movie. Either. It's an animated movie. I promise you. It looks that is not obscure though. That's like a really popular thing. I've is never, it? I've never heard of this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a lot of the people yellow... I've mentioned it to have never seen it. Jenny, I know what we're doing oh. tonight. Okay. Oh God, do some drugs before you watch it. Yes. Yeah. Um, favorite uh, favorite year of elementary school? Second grade. That's a tough one. I would probably also say second grade. Year you had your first kiss. <laughs> oh God. Sixth grade. <laughs> I was sixteen and I won't say any names. Shout out. To- oh <laughs> no! Do not shout out to him. He's a horrible human being. It's okay. Maddie. Maddie knows mine as well. Yeah. Um, Favorite place you've traveled outside of uh, New York slash Michigan slash Paris slash Germany? Oh, that's hard. Um, (laughs) I would probably say, uh, I would say Venice was one of my top, which I was there with Maddie. I was there. It was cool. Yeah. Venice or maybe Bruges, which is in Belgium. Mm, Yeah. I um I like London a lot yeah. I love London. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going there There's in a week no and a half. Like London. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good place to yeah. end. Yeah. So thank you, ladies, so much. Um, we really enjoy talking about yes. the expat life. Um, for listeners, either become a super fan like Natalie or go to our Patreon page and sign up to support us and maybe you'll get some camp adulthood swag. All the swag. Also, where can people find you guys if you want to be found on the interwebs? At Travel Natalie. Great. I'm going to follow you today. Please do. What about you, Jenny? Where can people find you? Um, so I'm pretty much all over the internet at, at Jenny Mayfield. Um, or if you want to follow my travel Instagram, it's at an Amerigen in Paris. Um, I'm really terrible at uploading to it, but it's a fun time. So, yeah. Great. Well, this has been excellent. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield. And this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com. And you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber. And there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at camp. Uh, don't